ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Alright everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Best Seat in the House podcast. Uh, this is episode 20, this is our all-star special, as uh, there's going to be a lot of all-star talk, it was Major League Baseball all-star game yesterday, uh, for us yesterday, it was a couple of days ago by the time you'll be seeing this, and uh, it was it was a pretty good game overall, Dan, uh, how did you like it? I thought it was a game, it was a close game, with would have liked it as the Braves manager brought Edwin Diaz into the game. Yeah, yeah, it would have been nice to see Diaz get in, um, but you know that uh, that that ended up not happening. And by the way, actually, I completely jumped over the introduction as uh, I'm your host Rob Kramer alongside my co-host Daniel Bobo Curlin. We both enjoyed the All Star game yesterday, but yeah, we saw you know, Edwin Diaz get up there at the end and I thought he was going to come in, but they opted not to bring him in. Uh, you know, that, that, that kind of stunk. And, uh, you know, also, uh, you know, they had Starlin Marte not getting the game, which I was a little confused about unless, you know, he personally asked not to come in. Yeah. Yep. That I believe that's correct. There's certainly Marte said he was going to take part in the game, but he decided to make the trip anyway. I see. I see. Okay. So, you know, it, 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 so that is good for Marte that he'll get a couple of days off. And it was cool to see him and the other guys be a part of it. I mean, McNeil had, uh, you know, two plate appearances. Pete Alonso drew a walk. So, you know, nothing too crazy out of our guys yesterday. Although after the first inning, there was really nothing good from the National League the rest of the game, right? No, there wasn't. It was like, it was just a bunch of slow, not, maybe someone, someone's, the uh, American League ended up winning the game three to two, but uh, that that was just uh, all downhill after the first. You know, you get the Goldschmidt home run, which uh, would have been nice to see Pete Alonso get that that start. But the year that Goldschmidt has had, it's just been ridiculous. Um, and you know, you, Kershaw got the start. What did you think about that? The difference between Clayton Kershaw uh, getting the start at Dodger Stadium, which made sense. Over Sergio uh, Alcantara, the Miami Marlins starter, who statistically probably deserved it. I think Alcantara deserved it. He's having he's having an unbelievable season, and got to give props to him to somehow finding a way to put up those numbers, even though he's on a bad team. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, he's uh, pretty Literally, much. I think it broke. Oh, yeah, sorry, you did freeze. You want to finish up what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, so, so I think he deserved that start. He, the guy put up – putting up unbelievable numbers despite being on a bad team like you. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. And, you know, I mean, the, uh, the fact that the, – the fact is that Sergio Alcantara had started seven more games than, um, you know – uh, Kershaw, and he's thrown. I think the difference was almost fifty innings. Kershaw is throwing around seventy-five innings. Alcantara is throwing around one hundred and thirty. So I mean, it's it's like a fifty-inning difference. Um, and you know, I'm not taking anything away from Clayton Kershaw. He's having a very good year, but this would be like it. It reminds me of if the Mets had the All Star game this year, that they had Max Scherzer start. You know what I mean? Like. It seems like it was just because it was at Dodger Stadium they gave him the start. Yeah, I think that's pretty much why they did it. Also, I have to say one thing I've noticed every year with the All-Star Game and pretty much with the World Series MVP, why, from a, why they get the MVP award. Because I always thought, don't they make enough money they could buy a car? <laughs> <laughs> I always thought... A little interesting uh, a thought that maybe uh, an intriguing thing that I kind of like this idea. The all the the all star game MVP gets to pick a random fan to give 
you know, they, they give them a number the random, uh, you know, out of a hat or something, names of fans in the stands. And whoever uh, they, they pick out wins the car. <laughs> that would be pretty cool, actually. No doubt about it. Uh, and definitely that, that would get a lot of people to stake the whole game. Yeah, exactly. They they get they get the car handed, they get the keys to the car handed to them by the by the All Star Game MVP. That would be awesome. That's a great idea, Dan. You should go pitch that to Fox. Like they speaking of speaking of All Star Game and MVP, I remember a, a documentary about the 1994 New York Rangers. And they were talking about how the NHL All-Star game, as we know, Mike uh, Richter was in via that game. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, Mike Richter had a, had a vehicle that was pretty beat up that they said he did not replace his car until he won an All-Star game MVP. <laughs> That's a pretty good story, man. <laughs> And documentary or something somewhere at MSG, they mentioned that. Yeah, and you know that that was the All Star Game at Madison Square Garden, and um, I believe he stu- he stopped Pavel Bure on a uh, penalty shot in that game too, uh, which was a uh, sign of things to come as the Rangers in Vancouver would meet later that year in the uh, Stanley Cup Final, where Mike Richter would beat Pavel Bure again. <laughs> And uh, yeah, but uh, but overall, Dan, you know, what what were your feelings on the All Star Game? Uh, How did you like the way they have the guys mic'd up now? Um, you know, and and th- that that whole situation over there. I thought I thought that was an interesting idea having the players mic'd up. I was kind of wondering if that was a good idea having pitchers mic'd up though, because I feel pitchers that's more of a challenge for them to really focus on. Uh, on the game than having a talk to the announcers. So that one I kind of like got. And I also thought David Ortiz segment, I thought it was neat because the guy, let's face it, every time I've seen, I've seen footage of the guy and everybody I know that's met him, the guy seems very likable. Oh, no doubt about it. You know, everybody loves Big Poppy. I, I guess unless you're a Yankee fan. But for, for the most part, anybody else loves Big Poppy. And uh, the, he's a great guy. I agree with you. That was a fun segment. And uh, also the, I totally, totally agree with you about, um, you know, the, the whole thing with, uh, uh, damn it, I lost my train of thought. What did you say before? <laughs> David Ortiz when he was walked into one of the dugouts. No, no, it was before David Ortiz. Uh, the, 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 the pitchers being mic'd up. Yes, that was it. The, the pitchers being mic'd up. That totally bothered me too, because as Met fans, also, um, you know, Jeff McNeil's at bat was while uh, the Blue Jays pitcher, what's his name, Alex Manea, uh, was pitching to him, and he he's mic'd up and he's talking to John Smoltz, and you know, Smoltz is telling him to do all these things. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Where John Smoltz was telling him to pitch him a certain way, and you know that's where he ended up hitting Jeff McNeil. And it was just kind of ridiculous. Uh, I just thought the whole thing was ridiculous. Yeah. Players for the All-Star, I don't mind having them mic'd up. Yeah, no, I definitely don't mind having them mic'd up. The pitchers was a little weird. Um, you know, <clears throat> as for the rest of the game, uh, you know, Fox does a pretty good job. I, I didn't like the uniforms. Though. What, what did you think of the uniforms? I think they should go back to just wearing individual uniforms. Uniforms. I don't think should have just let the teams wear their own team uniforms. I have to though give credit; they were better than last year's. I thought. Yeah, no, I agree. They definitely were better than last year's, but I just wish it was still the, the way it used to be back in the day, where they just let every, you know, you you slap an all star patch on the side and let every team wear his regular uniform. I don't mind if they do like a specially designed hat. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And but you know, it's a it, it was a good game overall. Um, you know, w- while we're talking about that, I guess uh, you know, there's uh there's a a bunch of other stuff to get into 
too. I mean, uh, we got the uh, Mets to talk about. Obviously, uh, that final game against the Cubs would have been nice to see them uh, pull that one out, but uh, Drew Smith would uh, give it up, uh, unfortunately. But uh, how are you feeling going into the second half now, Dan? I mean, uh, it's going to be uh, Mets Padres over the weekend, Scherzer and um, Darvish on Friday night to open the second half. What do you think, uh, you know, what's your confidence level with Atlanta being as hot as they are right now? I feel like we we're, we're, we're good going into the second half. Of course, one major factor, of course, is going to be how soon the ground returns. Now, see, that's the other big piece of news we were just going to get into, too. And uh, while you mentioned it, we might as well stick to it. So DeGrom was supposed to have a sim start yesterday. Uh, and obviously there, there were no minor league games going on during All-Star Week. Um, so they were going to have a sim game down in Port St. Lucie. And unfortunately, that didn't work out. Um, hopefully, by the time people are watching this on Thursday, DeGrom is either getting ready to pitch or have, has just pitched in another sim game that they're talking about. But uh, so he's scheduled to pitch on our time tomorrow. What do you think, Dan? You think he's actually going to make that start or you think this is the beginning of another series of injuries for Jacob DeGrom? Hopefully he's going to make that start because of what they said. They said muscle soreness. That's, that's something that all of us get. I get that shit at work. No, that's definitely true. And especially when he's, you know, his body is just getting used to pitching again. Um, the the fact that they said it's just like muscle soreness, that did make me feel a little better. That it wasn't any uh, structural damage or uh, any significant type of pain he was talking about, just soreness. So uh, I, I agree with you um, that it's probably right now not time to press the panic button for DeGrom, but uh, I don't know. I'm telling you, man, my hand is hovering right over that button because uh, I don't know. At this point, DeGrom has not thrown a pitch in the major leagues since um, July 7th, 2021. So we're over a year since he's last thrown a competitive pitch in that, in that way. I mean, he's had a handful of minor league starts now, including the, the, the three that he did, you know, prior to this, um, this year, he also started those two games in spring training and a couple of games at the end of last year. So he's had a couple of outings, but nothing of, of any significance. So, I, I mean, I don't know, man. Uh, what do you think? Do, do you think we're going to see Jacob DeGrom this year? I'm hopeful right, right now. I'm hopeful we're going to see him. Hopefully, maybe by I know it's gonna be later than expected. Even though I remember hearing it was looked like it was gonna be Tuesday, so I would thought, oh shit, looks like I'm gonna get to see the Grom that day. But it, yeah, I mean, we were originally hoping. I mean, pre All Star break, like a week ago, when everything was still going smooth, everybody was hoping that the Grom would start on that two on you know this past Tuesday the day of the all-star game, get his sim start out of the way, throw maybe five. If he, if everything goes really well, maybe even six innings in this, in this, uh, which he probably wouldn't get the six, but they were definitely going to try and stretch him out as far as possible. And um, now the fact that it's been pushed back, you know, originally people were hoping he could be back by Sunday to start against the Padres but that's obviously not going to happen. People were also talking about one of those two games against the Yankees that you mentioned, which that looks like that's not going to happen now either. Although if he does start today, he could be a candidate to pitch next Wednesday against the Yankees. What do you think about that? That would be, that would be neat. I'll be, I'll be watching that one at home because that looks like the game that get, but I'll be watching it at home. Yeah, I'll, I'll be watching both games at home. And, uh, you know, I'm just hoping, look, coming out of the break, though, when you got to play a Padres team who's still good, even though people will tell you right now that they're that they're struggling and, and they're right. You know, the Padres had a real rough time heading into the break. But I mean, when you're going up, the first three pitchers that you're facing coming out of the break is, um, you know, Darvish, 
Blake Snell and uh, you know Musgrove. That's that's three pretty good pitchers, and uh, you know the Mets weren't exactly killing it with the bats before the break. So I don't know, Dan. What do you think? The the Padres could be a little tricky this weekend. This one could be a low-scoring game. I'm also expecting, of course, obviously on Friday, you Darv might get a couple of boos here and there. Oh, no, yeah, no doubt about it. Got him nearly injuring our best hitter. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're right. That that's a very good point. Yeah, as uh, Darvish, it was Pete Alonso that he hit, right? Yep, exactly. I I haven't forgotten it. I'm pretty sure a lot of my fans haven't forgotten. It. Yeah, that's it. That's a good call. And, uh, you know, Met fans definitely have a long memory. And uh, there's no, you know, uh, there's no way that you Darvish is going to escape unscathed with the booze. He's definitely going to get hit. Met fans are definitely going to remember. And hopefully Pete Alonso remembers and takes him deep. (laughs) Uh, You know. I'm also going to be at Sunday's game. What, the uh, Sunday game against the Padres? Ah, very cool, very cool. Yeah, that'll be uh, you know, what's that thing you, you're uh, breaking up a little I, bit? I purchased that game originally, thinking like you know the rumors of the Grom potentially starting that game, but I'm going anyway. <laughs> well, even if it's not Degrom, which obviously it's not going to be because he's going to be starting hopefully on Thursday, um, but it, uh, it's probably going to end up being. Either Chris Bassett or Taiwan Walker, depending, you know, which one uh, Buck Showalter wants to go with. Uh, you know, to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if he saved Bassett for the Yankees. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Also, uh, on Sunday, I'll have saved myself from the annoying earworm. The, 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 I don't know the best way to describe the ESPN announcers. I'll be at the ballpark. <laughs> okay. All right. A lot of talk right now. Um, some of the biggest talk uh, of this All-Star week uh, was Juan Soto rejecting a 15-year, $440 million contract from the um, you know, Washington Nationals. Well, that does sound like great it, – it, it is. I mean, it's not, it doesn't sound like it. it's life-changing generational money. No doubt about it. But if you break that down per year in Major League Baseball, that per year salary is only getting Juan Soto barely in the top 20. Um, So what do you think, Dan? You think that was a smart move for Soto, betting on himself and not taking that offer and pretty much forcing the Nationals at some point to trade him? I think it's it's a bit of him not wanting to be in Washington. Well, no doubt about that. I agree. Yeah, he does. He, so, and I'm secretly hoping he comes here. <laughs> I mean, look now, a lot of people have been putting trades forward uh, because obviously the Mets are lumped in with the teams that would want Juan Soto, with the Yankees uh, being a potential landing spot, uh, you know, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, all the names you would expect are in the hunt right now for Juan Soto. Um, but the, the deals that I've been hearing people throw around for Soto make no sense. They had one on SNY the other day from, uh, from one of these guys, I forget his name, Andy McCarron or something like that. Um, you know, he's a good guy. He's, he's a pretty decent reporter from what I've seen, but the trade he put forward was, uh, Jeff McNeil, um, uh, Francisco Alvarez, Brett Batty, and like one or two other high-end prospects. And what I don't understand is that why would the Washington Nationals want Jeff McNeil right now? He's, he's, about, he's like 29, 30 years old, and he's, they're trading Juan Soto, first off, who's 23. So they're tearing everything down, and they're going to have to pay McNeil soon. So – I don't understand that trade. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Dan? What are you willing to give up for for, uh, for a Juan Soto, realistically? Maybe one or two of the top prospects. 
Yeah. I mean, well, flat out, are you willing to give up Francisco Alvarez for him? I'd be, I'd be willing to, uh, to, to give up Alvarez if he gets Soto. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. To me, personally, I would do everything possible to not include Alvarez in this deal. I will give them basically anything else they want. I'll give them, you know, uh, from, from, from the minor league system. And, and, you know, I saw somebody had a deal earlier before. I think it was like MetsMiners.com, you know, another one that I follow to talk about the minor leagues. Um, you know, they had uh, a, a deal that included David Peterson in that. And while that wouldn't be ideal for me, because I, I really like David Peterson, you know, I like having the lefty in there. He's a young guy, too. He's a really good pitcher. I would be willing to include him too, uh, if it means not including Alvarez. I mean, what would you think, Dan? Yeah, that that one might work the best. Would you include Peterson in a deal? Yeah, I would. Okay, because I I would do it. I mean, if I'm talking, if you want to give Peterson and Ronnie Mauricio, who is one of their top shortstop prospects, um, uh, you know. Anybody else? Brett Batty, like I said, um, any, any of these top names that you've heard mentioned, I will include all of them except for Francisco Alvarez because I do think Francisco Alvarez is, uh, is going to be a game changer. I, I don't know. You know, a, a lot of these Met prospects, I, I don't really get that excited about, but this guy Alvarez just seems different to me. He's doing this at 20 years old. It reminds me of like a power-hitting – catcher version of Jose Reyes, how he was just so good, so young. And I mean, I don't know, Dan, what do you think? Do you think, I mean, you were willing to trade him, but do you think he's the real deal? I think he's the real deal. I'll, I'd be willing to give the bets any other prospect, but Alvarez. Yeah. I mean, cause Alvarez just, you know, it, the cool thing too, is that the, the MLB draft just passed this past week too. They had it earlier in the week and the Mets drafted uh two prospects. They drafted a young catcher whose name I forget right now. And they drafted a young shortstop named um, Jet Williams. Uh, they, they had the 11th and 14th picks. Um, the funny thing to me, though, is that one, of, one scout I heard, uh, it, it was reported, one of the Mets guys on Twitter uh, relayed it and said that uh, when both these guys come through the system, meaning the catcher the Mets drafted at number 11 and Francisco Alvarez are on the team at the same time. Um, and this catcher is going to be pretty quick too. He, he's coming out of college, so he's not a project. Um, they said that it's going to be like having Gary Carter and Mike Piazza on the same team at the same time. So that's pretty high praise. <laughs> I mean, what do you think about that, Dan? Do you think that's anywhere near realistic? I don't know. It's gonna, it's gonna, it might take a couple of years for me to really realize that. Well, that's what they're saying. They're saying obviously it's it's gonna be a couple of years down the line once these guys both grow to their potential. But from what this guy is saying right now, one talent evaluator, whoever it was, said that it's gonna be like having Carter and Piazza on the same team at the same time. Which you know what, twenty years ago might not have been ideal, but now that you have a DH, you, you can actually make that work if you have two great catchers. Yeah, it might might work on a favor, especially with the DH situation. Yeah. So I mean, hey, look, I'm not saying right now that that's going to be the case. That it's going to be Gary Carter '85 and Mike Piazza '98. Um, you know, in their primes at the same time. I don't think that's going to be the case. In fact, I think it's, it's most likely definitely not going to be the case. But if it's anything even near that, we can be happy that uh, the Mets have two pretty damn good catchers. Yep, exactly. So only time will tell, especially with catchers take a little while to get, to get here to the big league. Yeah, man, no doubt about it. And, um, you know, so – and hasn't even had a professional at bat yet. Yeah, that's true. That's true, man. Um, yeah. So, okay. You know what? Actually, 
uh, while we do this, where we talk about the Mets, we're talking about the All-Stars. Um, let's do uh, you, your uh, All-Star mug shots. Dan, you ready for that? Yep. We got the, these are the greatest players that, well, basically, uh, as we know, some players have gone, maybe had some, you know, some, made some mistakes. Talking about what happened, that they got in jail, but these players were mentioning they did get, they do have a mugshot record. So let's start here with the, the mugshot all stars. First base, this one I never knew had a, had a history. Orlando Cepeda at one point. I forgot if it was during his playing career or after, but Orlando Cepeda, first baseman, and a mugshot, and a whole favor. Wow, yeah. Orlando Cepeda. You know, former St. Louis Cardinal, uh, former San Francisco Giant. Very, uh, very interesting. Okay, so there is a mugshot for him. We'll have and to. Uh, do Do you have these uh, mugshot pictures, by the way? I don't have them on file. That one's a lot. That one's a hard to find. All these mugshots. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but I I did look up that they had been arrested though. No problem. The other one we have uh, second base Pete Rose. Pete Rose, definitely. Of course, third base we got a member of the five hundred club and uh, a player who I got to see by the way hit his five hundred home run. Gary Sheffield. Gary Sheffield. Oh, you were at that game. Yeah, third the third base. Oh, oh, so you're putting Gary Sheffield at third base? Yeah, yeah, because he. I see. Uh, you know what he did when he was with the Brewers and the Padres early in his career. He did play a little third base. You, I mean, he came as a third baseman. So you, you're right about that. I'll give you that one, Dan. And uh, our outfield, with our, our outfield, we go with. Uh, I'm going to go with the uh, first one up. Lenny Dykstra. Lenny Dykstra, and and you're putting him in what right field? Yep. Okay. And got another outfielder. Uh, Wait, hold on, Dan. Before you move on, I heard a story about Lenny Dykstra from uh, from Artie Lang. Yep, exactly that level. But by, by the way, his book uh, "House of Nails" is a great read. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, Lenny Dykstra, you know, one of the uh, all-time Mets man, one of the greats. So, of course, another quarter outfielder we got to mention: Daryl Strawberry. Oh, strawberry, true, true, okay. And uh, of course, uh, starting pitcher, Doc Gooden. Doc Gooden, true, very true. The shortstop, we got to mention the all time, the Mets all time solid base record holder, Jose Reyes. Jose Reyes, that's true. Another guy we got to mention, Francisco Rodriguez, a guy who had, I think, like 75 saves in 2008, if I'm correct. Yeah, he had a ridiculous, uh, yeah, he had a ridiculous number. I forget what it was. I think it, it might have been 62 or something like that. But it might have but, but but either way, Francisco Rodriguez was great. But yeah, you're right. He did get arrested, and wasn't that for when he uh like beat the crap out of his dad because his uh, his uh, or, or his uh, his father in law? It was it was well he was a Met. His father-in-law, I believe. Yeah, and and that was in the Mets clubhouse. Oh man, it's so funny. All right. And... What's that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately it does keep freezing up. Yeah, it is. But but yeah, the that guy, I believe it was he got into a, a, an argument with his father in law. Yeah. Yeah, I actually heard in recent years too that his his father in law said something very out of line, and that it was actually like kind of warranted that, uh, that K Rod hit him. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I remember hearing that. So 
you know, maybe K-Rod wasn't as much of a jerk as they made him out to be at the time. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, uh, all right, is, is there anybody else that, that you need to mention on your list, Dan? Okay, and who do you have in center field? Dubal Herrera. Dubal Herrera. And who do you have in right field? Right field, we got we got Daryl Strawberry. Daryl Strawberry. It seems like we have a Mets heavy list too. <laughs> All right, now we got the uh, Mets in the All Star game and our All Star mug shots out of the way. Uh, we're gonna be moving on. We're gonna talk about a couple other things. Actually, right now, one of the uh, breaking stories is that the uh, that the Philadelphia 76ers actually just re-signed James Harden to a two-year contract. So uh, that just uh, adds a little bit of salt to the wound for net fans as uh, it looks like the, you know, the once member of the big three is going to be sticking around there and, you know, bless you. All right, I'm back. All right, you okay? Yeah, no problem, no problem. So, all right, yeah, you know, so James Harden, um, obviously back in uh, in Philly with the Sixers. What do you think, Dan? Just that I know we don't talk about the Nets too much or basketball, but, um, you know, I, actually, I guess we'll touch on this for a little, uh, for a couple of minutes, but, you know, because we'll, we'll get to the Knicks in a sec, but do you expect Ben Simmons to ever play a game for the Nets? I mean, what the heck is going on with that? I do not expect Ben Simmons to play a game on the Nets. I think I'd be shocked if this guy even exists. It's like that M&M's commercial. They do remember the right? Wait, which one? No, remember this M&M's commercial that they run around every year around Christmas time with the M&M's when they see Santa and they say, he exists, and then the Santa says to the M&M's, they do exist. Oh yeah, yeah, and then he faints. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Person yeah. gets stuck in my head every year during the holidays. Yeah, it's hey, it's true, man. You know the uh, the funny thing is that is, is that you, you know you're right, and Ben Simmons plays as much as Santa Claus you know works, which is once a year for the most part. You know the uh, the whole thing about Ben Simmons is. I, I feel like you. I don't expect him to play a game in Brooklyn ever. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on with him. So, yeah, exactly. A lot of a few net fans I've heard from what I've seen the rumblings on social media. Yeah, it's true, man. You know, uh, out in LA, there was a lot of talk earlier about the. Because you know the whole net situation is, is very fluid, um, with uh, you know Kevin Durant asking for a uh, a trade, and Kyrie has a whole bunch of different options right now. So people were talking about Kyrie somehow ending up in L.A. on the Lakers, but it looks like LeBron and Westbrook and uh, AD have buried whatever hatchet they had out there. So those guys are all good and apparently committed to playing with each other next year. Um, so who knows what's going on? Uh, is Kyrie going to be with the Nets next year? Is Durant going to be with the Nets next year? You know, one at a time, what do you think, Dan? Do, do you think Durant is going to be with the Nets next year? I can't see him be, but he would be. <laughs> I can't see him be the Nets. It seems like once they, once one of those big three gets broken up, they're all going to break. They're all going to depart. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I agree. The Nets could be in a very similar situation to like what's going on in Calgary with the flames right now. You, do, do you see all that crap as the, as Johnny Goudreau signed a uh, big seven year contract or whatever it was, it was, it was a big contract with the, um, uh, the Columbus blue jackets of all teams. And, um, you know, now apparently the, uh, um, Calgary Flames other star player Matthew Kachuk who scored f- over 40 goals and had 100 points last year is uh, requesting a trade uh, what do you think about that too I mean Daryl Sutter had a great year as the head coach of the Flames last year they had a good run in the playoffs 
Um, and it looks like it's all being torn down now. That is shocking after a team that's had a run like that that they wanted to tear it down that quick. Yeah, and I mean, the, you know, the thing is, too, look, I, I don't blame Johnny Goudreau for going to get money, too. And contrary to how his name sounds, he's actually an American kid, so maybe he kind of wanted to come home or, or be closer to home, you know, whatever he wanted to, to do. I, I don't begrudge him for going out and making every penny that he can as a professional athlete. But what is, is just weird to me, I mean, you know, just like, just like you said, they had a great team last year. They had a great run, uh, you know, that saddle dome over there in, uh, in Calgary, people love it. The, the fans are passionate there. They, they, they have a pretty decent history for the last, you know, 40 or 50 years, whatever it's been. So uh, I'm, I'm just surprised to see Goudreau leave. He was an icon there. You know, they, they, they called him Johnny Hockey. I know that's kind of died off the last couple of years for whatever reason, but he, he, he's been a star there for years. Yeah, it is. It's shocking, but it does happen. Yeah. thought LeBron James wasn't going to leave Cleveland, and he did. Yeah, yeah, that's true now, too. Well, you know, speaking of, of Cleveland, too, they uh, – uh, we'll, we'll just bounce around here right now. We'll do a little miscellaneous as uh, the uh, it's also coming up now on football training camp. And um, we, we had the trade go down about a week or two ago with Baker Mayfield going from the Cleveland Browns over the Carolina Panthers. What do you think about that trade? Very curious considering Carolina pretty much did the same thing with another first round bust quarterback and Sam Darnold, with the jets last year. So why are they stacking these guys up right now? Who, know, who knows? They're probably want. They're probably looking for depth at quarterback. Also, I'm starting to think that there's a quarterback first in Cleveland. Yeah. Well, what do you think now, too? I mean, that's another thing uh, that we discussed early on in our show when uh, we first started doing it was around the time of the uh, Deshaun Watson trade as the Texans dealt him in a big package to uh, the um, Cleveland Browns. What do you think about that? I mean, I keep hearing, you know, Watson has all these accusations against him right now from multiple different women. He settled a lot of them. Uh, there are still a couple that are outstanding. And, you know, the, uh, the NFL reserves the right to levy a punishment that they see fit. So there's been a lot of talk about somewhere between four and six games him getting this year, but the, he will be able, be able to play the majority of the season. What do you think about that, Dan? Do you think uh, that this, this Cleveland quarterback curse is going to carry over and he's actually going to be productive? Or do you think he's going to serve the suspension and, and be like a shell of his former self? I have a bad feeling it's going to be, it's going to continue because they don't play around with that. I've seen many times when, uh, with many notable stars, athletes have those kind of accusations. Doesn't go well. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. But you know, Deshaun Watson is such a talented kid. Um, despite what you might think of him personally, uh, and it might not be in Cleveland. But I think Deshaun Watson still has at least another big year or two left in him somewhere. Um, you know, just like Cleveland can be a volatile place, um, especially when things aren't going well. And, you know, if he's going to miss four to six games next next year and they're not going to be playing Baker Mayfield, they're going to be playing whoever the, you know, second or third string guy is over there now. Um, they're probably going to have a, a rough season this year. Uh, so I think that, um, you know, things can tend to turn very quickly, uh, especially with the roster. Once you start losing and everything, it's tough to bounce back. So it, it'll be interesting to see if they have a bad year this year, depending how Watson plays, if Cleveland even holds on to him, maybe they'll just try to turn around and trade him this off season. If things go very poorly this year, what do you think about that? That, that wouldn't surprise me if they traded him after things went poorly. Yeah, yeah. Although, right now, they're tied to him 
financially and uh, and everything else, every way you can be tied to him. So um, they're they're really betting that he plays at an MVP caliber. So uh, I hope that's not the case, and I hope that he at least misses the first couple of games of the year because the Jets are playing the Browns like either week two or three. And I definitely don't want to play Deshaun Watson. I would much rather play whoever their backup backup quarterback is. So, uh, you know, uh, it, it'll be good for my team to miss him. Uh, I, I don't know. Are, are the uh, Giants playing the uh, Browns this year, Dan? The AFC South. So they get uh, Jacksonville, um, Houston, like we just talked about. So you get the Deshaun Watson list, Houston Texans. Um, you get uh, Indianapolis is another one. Um, so definitely some interesting teams there. Also, Baltimore is a uh, game you guys get this year, which is a little weird because you, you don't play any other AFC North teams. But I guess that's just the way the scheduling worked out. But, uh, yeah, you know, so uh, the, the Giants do have a couple of interesting teams. They cross over with the, the Ravens uh, because you guys get uh, Baltimore and we get Baltimore. Uh, we actually open against them. But, uh, yeah, very uh, interesting. You guys don't play the Browns either, but you play the AFC South. So you get in Jacksonville and, and Indianapolis and those teams. Very, uh, very interesting. Uh, well, you know, while we're talking about this right now, Training camp is starting in a couple of days. Rookies for the Jets and the uh, Giants have already reported by the time people are seeing this right now. So what's your confidence level going into this season now, Dan? Free agency's out of the way. The the, the Giants had a, a very nice draft along with, with my team, the Jets. Uh, what, what do you think going in uh, for the Giants? That this season could be a season that could lead to a bigger year the next year. I feel this team needs to show, like, they need to show. One-upping that next year. So you're really looking at this team as, like, a uh, as this season, as, like, a building block season, right? It's a great year for Daniel Jones. I feel like if he has, if he, if he plays up to the standard that we expect, He could be back next year, even if you're gonna, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah, did you hear what I said there before it froze up again? Yeah, I, I, I heard you talking about Daniel Jones and uh, yeah, how, how you thought that, that this is the big year for Daniel Jones. Yeah, yeah. and and I, I totally agree too because, you know, this is uh, – is, is this Daniel Jones' third or fourth season? It's fourth season. It's fourth season, yeah. This is a big year, too, because now, after this season, the Giants have to decide if they're going to pick up his fifth-year option or not, And uh, which I'm surprised they haven't done it already. A lot of other teams have. but So this is, um, you know, big time for uh, for Daniel Jones now. He he knows that the this entire franchise is resting on his back, much like the Jets with, with uh, you know, Zach Wilson. Um, but, you know, what do you think, Dan? Who do you expect to see? Well, you know, let me ask you this. What's your confidence level with your new coach? I'm very confident with this coach. He seems to, to have the confidence to be able to hopefully get the best out of everyone on this team. I, I agree. He definitely seems like the, uh, the right fit for the Giants. Um, now – the Giants have a lot of young players on their team, obviously, you know, that they're hoping, you know, while we're talking about that, Saquon Barkley came out of the same draft as Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is widely viewed as a bust right now. What do you, what would you clarify Saquon as? Because Saquon had that awesome, awesome rookie year and unfortunately has dealt with so many injuries since then. Would, would you classify him as a bust, or how do you feel about Saquon right now? I don't know if I could classify Saquon as a bust. Maybe halfway bust, but I feel the injuries may have played a factor. And this year could be a make-or-break year if he's not the 
if he's not injured, oh, what he does without having an injury happen is going to impact everything. Yeah, I mean, and you're right, you know, and he's starting to, in running back years, get up there as, you know, most running backs, you know, by the time you're 28, you know, even 27 sometimes, you, you're starting to get a little long in the tooth as, uh, you know, most guys aren't like Frank Gore playing until they're 37, 38 years old. Um, I, I I don't know, man. The uh, it's, it's really just like you said, it's make or break for Saquon. He's got to prove that he, that, that, you know, that what we saw his rookie season wasn't just the only time we're going to see it, that he's going to be able to recapture that again, because uh, you know, these, these injuries have, uh, have really just slowed him down. And it's, it's such a shame because he's a local product and he, he grew up, you know, a, a fan just like we did. And this is a guy that uh, just has dealt with nothing but injuries since he, since his first year. Yeah, but for, unfortunately, but and you know, so we're talking about the the Giants there. Is you think this is a building block year for them? And I don't disagree with you on that. But uh, let's look at the the Jets now too. Um, what do you think with the Jets? Uh, you know, they had a, a very good draft by all means. They got uh, the, the uh, you know pass rusher they wanted. They got a, a great cornerback. They uh, picked up a, a wide receiver to help out. Zach Wilson a little bit. They added uh, offensive linemen and, uh, you know, Lakin Tomlinson was a, a big signing for them. Uh, so the Jets made a few tweaks. They tried to push this quote unquote rebuild that's been going on for 10 years, a little further down the road. What are your feelings as a, you know, obviously as a, as a Jet fan, I'm going to look at this a little rosier than most, but what, what are your thoughts on as a Giants fan? How do you feel about the Jets? Feel this team has to make the playoffs, or it, it's going to be a bust. I mean, I love that you said that <laughs> because I don't disagree with you. Where I think that you know that there has to—I I don't think there should be a playoff mandate. Like I don't think uh, Woody uh, Johnson should come out and say, "Oh, Robert Sala has to make the playoffs this year, or he's fired." Like I don't think that, but. I think that they should not like just like you consider this year a building block to the Giants. That's where the Jets have been the last couple of years. Oh, this is a building block year. This is a building block year. This is a building block year. I don't think this is a building block year anymore for the Jets. You, this has to be, you know, let's make the fucking playoffs. This is, you know, they the Jets added a lot of legit players this year. Uh, some of them are very young, like. You know, Ahmed Johnson's uh, Ahmed Johnson. Talk about the old WWF wrestler, Ahmed Gardner, Sauce Gardner. Uh, you know, Garrett Wilson. All these young kids they added. Even still, Zach Wilson. Yeah, I get it. But um, you know, as for uh, the the other guys they added, like the two tight ends, Conklin and and uh, you know, Uzoma, however you say his name. Uh, you know, Lakin Tomlinson, who I just mentioned. Th- these guys are veterans. You know, they're not looking to hang around for three or four years and to try and win. They, they, they want to win now. So the, the Jets have to uh, keep that in mind, too, because I think this is not the, uh, the same old building block year. <laughs> but, uh, you know, one last thing before we get out of here, because we're going to try to wrap up pretty quick now. Uh, I just want to talk about the uh, – well, two things, actually. We'll, uh, we'll mention the Yankees, uh, one, you know, which there's really nothing to even get into. They're the best team in baseball statistically right now. They're – uh, they're playing the Red Sox this weekend. That's all you need to know. One thing I wanted to mention about the Yankees, though, was it was pretty cool to uh, see that bomb that Giancarlo Stanton hit uh, off of uh, Tony Gonsolin in the uh, the All Star game. What did you think about that home run, Dan? Did 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 you see that uh, home run slowed down? I don't even think I saw that home run slow down. I mean, I I've seen a that looked like the John Carlos stayed to the bowl. It really did. It really did. I remember seeing him hit quite a few of those at City Field over, over the years with the Marlins. But, um, you know, it, it really was incredible the way they slowed that down because you could see, first off, I mean, I know it wouldn't reflect like this in the, uh, 
in the score because it was 3-2. So maybe they used multiple balls. But I'm telling you right now, the ball that they used, you should see the compression that it had on Stanton's bat. Now, either Stanton, and I, I know he's a he's an animal. The guy is a jack monster. But the way the ball, like, compressed on his bat when they slid that, it was incredible. It, they must have been using some kind of funny ball last night. And uh, the, the other thing that was crazy about that home run is that most of the time when you see these professionals, guys like Tony Gwynn, guys like, you know, Aaron Judge, or, or any of these, these professional major league hitters, you see when it's slowed down, his eye is, you know, and the bat, it, obviously the bat's on the ball, but his eye is directly on the ball. And they'll even, a lot of the time, show you via the line going from his eye to the ball he's looking directly at it stanton isn't even looking at it (laughs) he is like looking like two inches above he's not even looking at it. the ball has just made contact with his bat and he's just such a monster that he wasn't even looking at it he just drove that bat right through the, the strike zone and sent that ball 457 feet away his longest home run uh of the season it comes in the all-star game at Dodger Stadium, off a Dodgers pitcher, and uh, he takes home the All Star Game MVP. So, what, uh, what do you think about that, Dan? That was pretty incredible, right? That was an incredible. Congratulations on him, and congratulations on what's. I might as well say it. It's an extra call. <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> Got way more money that you don't that. I don't think you need to win an all-star game MVP to get a new car. <laughs> Very true. Especially Stanton, who's making, what, $30 million a year now or something like that? <laughs> yeah, but uh, all right. And uh, I just wanted to mention that real quick because that was incredible. And and also while we're wrapping up here, um, you know, they, uh, they, they're still talking right now about this uh, potential of the Donovan Mitchell trade to the, uh, spe- specifically the Knicks is what, is what I'm talking about right now. Um, I, you know, I know there's other teams out there like the Miami Heat are a potential destination of his, but uh, I think what he wants and I think what obviously all New York wants is, uh, is Donovan Mitchell here. And I don't know, Dan, what do you think about that? Do, do you think the Knicks have the guts to pull off a trade where they're probably going to be giving up, I mean, a boatload of first round picks? Yeah. I think about how much failures of getting the big name player to come to our team. They're going to pull this off. We can't lose another one like this to Miami that we were excited about all offseason. That's true. That's true. I mean, and you know what? A lot of people are bringing up how they'd have like a, a little undersized court, two guys around, you know, six foot in uh, Jalen Brunson, who they just brought in and, uh, and now Donovan Mitchell. But, Man, I'm telling you right now, if you pair those guys with R.J. Barrett playing great and, uh, you know, supposedly they're going to keep Julius Randle. I, I don't really know how that works. We, we talked about that last week, but uh, I, I don't really know how that would work. Um, but, I mean, hey, I think uh, the Knicks right now are in prime position, just like you said, and they cannot lose out on another star player. If a star, If this star player, Donovan Mitchell, who – has all these New York connections. Like we talked about, he threw out the first pitch of the Cyclones game last week. This is a guy who has New York connections. His dad has New York connections. His dad works for the Mets. It's another orange and blue team in New York. I mean, everything is written on the wall right now. They, the Knicks did a great job, you know, picking up all these extra first round picks for the next few years. Give them all. I don't care. You know, if you have to overpay, Overpay a little bit. Don't overpay a lot because then you're going to cripple your franchise. But do what you have to do. Blow the other team away, Utah, and get Utah. Utah already traded Rudy Gobert. They're in a rebuilding phase, and you have to bring this guy in. Right, Dan? Exactly. Bring this guy in. I feel like the whole buildup is for Donovan Mitchell. Get the big piece of the – Everything you're doing this offseason. 
I agree. And what you said, what you just said, being the big plan, I think um, it goes even further than that. I think that's why the Knicks brought in Leon Rose specifically as the GM, because apparently for whatever reason, uh, Donovan Mitchell loves Leon Rose. He even said, you know, that uh, Leon Rose is one of his favorite people. So Donovan Mitchell has some kind of respect and relationship with Leon Rose. And I think the Knicks just, just said to themselves, you know, not only do we think this guy uh, is a good fit for our organization, because you can't just make this guy your GM specifically because you think he can lure you one player, but they think he's a guy that can take them in the right direction and can definitely ingratiate himself and the team even more so to Mitchell, because you know, Mitchell in the New York area grew up a Knicks fan. So there's, there's so many connections. It has to get done. It, it would really be a tragedy, especially if he ends up in Miami. I mean, just what a what a bigger kick in the ass would that be, right? Yeah, I would be. Oh my god, I would be. That, I, I would literally, if we failed to get out of Mitchell, I would be. Uh, well, Mister, Mal- I'd have to print out some pictures of of Jim Dolan for Mister Malooning in the. Wait, who did you say? Of Jim Dolan. Of Jim Dolan. <laughs> That asshole. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I got to say, though, Dolan's been doing a good job of keeping his fingerprints off both the Rangers and the Knicks. And, uh, and you know, the, the Knicks more recently than the Rangers. But the one thing I will say that I disagreed with at the time, I thought he pulled the trigger. Wait, uh, obviously, David Quinn, you know, as much as I, I liked David Quinn and respected him, I understood why they let him go. But what really pissed me off at the time was him letting go JD, John Davidson, and Jeff Gordon, who I felt like Jeff Gordon did a great job of, of rebuilding this team over the last couple of years and more recently with JD too. But, I mean, we, we got to give credit where credit's due. Replacing those guys with, with Chris Drury and uh, bringing in Gerard Gallant, you know, allowing Drury to pick that guy, that worked out pretty well, right? That that worked out pretty well, and hopefully, it it continues. Absolutely, Absolutely man. Crisscross, it continues, and we eventually see the Stanley Cup down the Canyon of Heroes. The Stanley Cup, and hopefully, maybe it'll be like '94, but with a better ending. The Rangers will win the Stanley Cup, and maybe we'll get the uh, Knicks to win an NBA championship uh, at some point. Hopefully, in uh, in our lifetime. <laughs> Only one of the only one one of my favorite teams that what last won a championship before I was born. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. That's true. I mean, I I got the Knicks and the Jets, <laughs> so I gotta hang those both on my head. But you know, at least the the Mets won a, a World Series when I was about two weeks old, and the uh, Rangers won the Stanley Cup when I was seven. So <laughs> at least I've seen those two. <laughs> maybe lucky that maybe someone will bring the Seedley Cup to Best Seed in the House podcast. Let's let's do it right now. Let's go. Come on, boys. You bring the Stanley Cup back to New York. You can bring it on the Best Seed in the House podcast anytime you want. Igor Shesterkin, let's get on here. Come on, he's he, he's he's got a good personality. He you know he could get some chemistry with us. Exactly. I'd love to have Igor here. We- <laughs> to have that to finally know what it's like to have to drink beer out of the Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah that's true. I, I can't wait uh, to even have that as a possibility. And for that to happen, the Rangers have to go win the Stanley Cup. And uh, Vincent Trocek, uh, that's a big step in that right direction right there. And, uh, you know, also, too, uh, really fun watching the Rangers development camp earlier this week that went down as the Rangers had a lot of these young, promising kids. Um, and, and also, too, Dan, be, before we get out of here, word is that um, Vitaly Kravstov, the 2018 number nine overall pick, uh, who has had a lot of 
relationship issues with the Rangers over the last couple of years. Um, I mean, what do you think, Dan? Uh, do you think we're going to see big things out of Vitaly Kravtsov in a Rangers uniform, or do you think something is inevitably going to go wrong again? If he, if he ever plays a game for the Rangers. It could be big thing. Okay, so, uh, you know what? Uh, we want to thank everybody for tuning in to our uh, our All Star Spectacular episode twenty of uh, the Best Seat in the House podcast. As always, I'm your host Rob Kramer with my co-host Daniel Bobo Curlin. And before we get out of here, Daniel, want to give yourself a uh, social media plug real quick? Well, well first we got to say sorry about if there's maybe some glitches this week's episode. We had a lot of a lot of freezing up on our end because of the 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 hot weather is probably affecting the Wi-Fi everywhere. But anyway, my Twitter account is Bobo one zero three NYC. On Instagram, it's Bobo seven one eight DK. And on Instagram, obviously, there we go. So and and with me, uh, you can check me out on my personal Twitter at Kramer NY. Uh, you can also check uh, out our show account at Best Seat in the House uh, podcast on Instagram. And on Twitter, we're at Sith underscore podcast. So thank you once again, everybody. Feel free to go uh, give us a like and a, a, subs- a subscription on, on YouTube. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll uh, catch you next week on the Best Seat in the House podcast. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>